Today's sermon begins with a video clip from Forrest Gump. sure is a running fool. I would love to someone say, that boy sure is a fool for the Lord. Run, Forrest, Run is a classic line from one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump. Today, though, I would like for us to rephrase it and retool it to say, run, believe, run, believer, run. And as Mike echoed, from that day forward, I was a running. I would love for us to leave this place today and say, from that day forward, I was a sharing the good news. Amen. Run, believer, run. Did you know it's 60 plus miles from the area in which Jesus was buried to Galilee? Yet two women, both named Mary in the Matthew's gospel account of the resurrection, started running to tell his disciples that he is alive, he's risen. So, well, why would they do that? Well, if you had a best friend executed by the government on a Friday and on a Sunday morning, you, when you went to his grave to visit, you found an angel sitting on the tombstone saying, he's not here, he is risen. You would have ran, maybe not necessarily for all the same reasons, but you would have ran. He has risen. And if you will understand the joy, the beauty of this day, I think you can retool yourself to say, run, believer, run. 
Let's look at Matthew's account of the resurrection. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to join with me, please. It will be on the screen. Uh, Matthew, the 28th chapter. Beginning with verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You ever heard scared stiff? The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, as we come to a familiar text, one of at least four accounts that we read from our Gospels, your inspired words telling us of how your Son, fully man, died on a cross, and fully divine overcame the grave. I pray that as we looked at an old familiar movie, and maybe we snickered a bit to think what would that be like to show that in church, but Lord, if we were known for being foolish for you, Paul talks about the foolishness of preaching. Be a fool for Christ. Let the world think us to be fools, for we know the truth. And Lord, let us always be running from now on, sharing the good news that these two women heard from a messenger of yours that day, embraced their Savior, embraced our Savior, and then took that same message that he said to go and tell others. So speak to us today, Lord, for we want to all run, believer, run, because of the good news we've heard. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me first say that Pierce did a wonderful job this morning um, at the uh, sunrise service. Uh, he had already told me it was going to be an apologetic type sermon. Those of you who have uh, not heard people give defense of why we believe in the resurrection, he did a, a wonderful job of that. Um, and because of that, because of knowing the facts that you shared, Pierce, and now my, I have to, mental math, or public math is always dangerous. I've been preaching, I, I guess, perhaps 40 years now. Um, near, near, that's probably, Harvey, why I had to got that, I got that shot early. You know, I am old, I guess. But I was, and I've worked on this sermon during the week. I worked on it all day Saturday and Saturday evening, I, I told Brenda, here's some of my thoughts. And I said, it's the same message to almost always the same people. 
And almost always I have the same response. And she said, why are you yelling at me? I said, because they've heard the good news and they don't do anything with it. I'm as guilty as you. Everywhere I go, I should be a Sharon. Everywhere you go, just like Forrest, I was a running. You should be a Sharon, the good news of a risen Savior. Not just on Easter Sunday. Not just on Christmas. Every day. Say, he is risen. And that's the response we typically get. Believer, you've got to start running. You start, you've got to start carrying the good news. Lou Ranhofer told me, uh, uh, you know, he's good with always statistics. Of, I've, I'm sure he reads more documents than I do because he's always coming in with some good quote. He said that he had heard that uh, national, in the United States, church attendance has dropped to below 50%. Now, with COVID, you know, we're not quite back to 50% on a normal Sunday than what we were pre-COVID. But he said, you know, just 10 years ago, I think Fernando was confirming that. Perhaps he's a big reader too. Maybe they both read the same thing. Uh, over 75% just 10 years ago was, was a common church attendance. Um, but we need to carry this good news wherever we go. Or we're going to see the churches close everywhere. It depends on... On God, yes, but he's empowered you. He's commissioned you to share the good news. So let's talk about reasons to run. Reasons to run. When you were young, you ran for fun, just like Forrest. You'd run through the field, not a problem. Watching these kids this morning running after Easter eggs. I mean, we had, like I said, more eggs, a lot more eggs and chocolate than we had children. But it was fun. And you'll see young people run and go, man, I wish I had that energy. You'll see people share the gospel and you go, man, I wish I could do it the same way. We run sometimes when we're afraid. You can watch any TV show, any video, YouTube, you'll find somebody scaring somebody. And typically when you get scared, you want to run away, right? I mean, that's the fear of flight type thing that goes off. We run when we want to help. I mean, it's always good to see those humanitarian stories on the news that somebody is running to help somebody, whether it's a car wreck, a house on fire. And we know that policemen and firefighters and soldiers, they run into danger when many of us out of fear would run away. We run when we want to get in shape. You want to make your body thinner or fitter, and you run because of that. Well, we also run sometimes when you have something to share. Something good happens to you. You get on the phone, you get on your text messages, or, or you get in the car, and you go share that good news with somebody else. Well, let me tell you that running with the good news is fun. I think I can combine all these things I've just said earlier. Children, it's fun to run. It is fun to share the good news. And I'm not afraid to run and tell somebody about Jesus. Even if they don't accept me at, at the first glance or the first attempt to share them about the goodness that, that I have experienced. I want to run to help in Jesus' name. Just as we would run to help somebody else. Believers, when they start running, the church gets healthy. And the church stays fit if they will run sharing the gospel. 
And it is important to run with the gospel into the dangerous world of darkness in which we live. And when we run, we do have something to share. So run, believer, run. Go back with me, please, to the text. Here are two women, verse 1, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, Mark, in the 16th chapter, in those, that last section of Mark, he says that this is Mary Magdalene, the one who Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. There's a lot of uh, church history on Mary Magdalene, mostly in the Western Christian church. We associate her with an immoral woman. That is tagged mostly, as I said, in churches on this side of, of Rome. Regardless, this is a woman, in every account, Mary Magdalene is there. And, as I love to say, one of the first missionaries were the women. And as Pierce pointed out this morning, the, the validity of this, to say that a woman was testifying, was something that culturally was not even accepted in Jesus' day. So how much more we need to believe that this really happened because women were the first ones to carry the good news. And then the other Mary, most commentators will say, uh, that it was Jesus' mother. There, there are multiple Marys in, in Scripture. So I, I don't know that I could say for certain I wasn't there, but I do know two women who were there who said, He's risen. All right. Now, these two women, if you know any of the texts of the prior week, they have been full of sadness. I mean, just read the prior chapter. They've been full of disappointment. They thought that Jesus was ushering in this new kingdom for the Jews to, to cast out the Romans, to, to reestablish the temple as the center of the universe, if you will. They were full of grief and, and of pain because if it's Mary the mother, she saw her son be crucified. And if it's Mary Magdalene, she's seen this wonderful healer, teacher, rabbi, her savior, Murdered on a cross. Now, they were coming according to Luke 24. I know I'm in Matthew, but most of us have read so many of the different gospels, we blend them. But in Luke 24, it says they were going to prepare the body. Because after the crucifixion, it was almost the time to begin the Sabbath. And they didn't have time to anoint his body. You know, in modern day science, we embalm bodies. In those days, they would put spices and wrap them and it, it kept the stench down, if you will, basically, from tombs that would have been sealed in a cave or something like that. We know that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And then they were expecting, as Mark 16 says, to look for someone to roll the stone away. It's funny, this week I was talking with Dan and Pierce about, you know, this whole stone rolling away. And how many of you remember this Matthew account? Most of us think the earthquake happened and the stone rolled away. But in this Matthew account, it says an angel rolled the stone away. Side note for Dennis, I saw a sermon title this week. I almost stole it, but it'd be plagiarism. Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead. <laughs> we don't know if the women had heard about the guards. If you read just a few verses earlier, Pilate had made sure that they would not let his disciples, you know, there were rumors. And in fact, they referred to Jesus as a deceiver. That, that his, he had said that he would be, come back from the dead. He would rise again. So they had paid guards to secure the tomb. And, and we, this was our discussion this week. Roman structures, Roman architecture still is in existence. So to think that a Roman had secured a tomb 
it probably was fairly well secured. So how these women even thought that they were going to move that stone, we don't know. But then in verse 2, a violent earthquake happens, and an angel is appearing, moving a stone, and then sets on top of the stone. I, I imagine him with his arms crossed, crossed, you know, with big buff biceps. I mean, like, hey, look what I just did. Remember, the reasons to run, fear, wouldn't you have ran? I, I, I don't know. But I love the description of the angel that one commentator uh, I read this week said, said that in, in the book of Matthew that angels are like UPS delivery guys. That they come, give you your package, say a quick statement, maybe get you to sign that electronic thing, and they're out of there. So here are some of the ones I pulled up. And, oh, and it's almost always followed with, don't be afraid. Here's the good news, now don't be afraid. So don't be afraid, Zachariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and name him John. Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor in the Lord's eye. Don't be afraid, shepherds. I will bring you good news of great tidings you shall share with all the people. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid, the angels say. And then they deliver the package. And they say, sign for it. Open it and go use it. So imagine this buff angel sitting on the stone. Casually sitting there. Looking at the guards who are now laying stiff dead. He does not even talk to them. He goes straight to talking to the women. And says, do not be afraid. Here's your package. He hands him the package and says, let me read verse 6. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And those last three little words that we always overlook, just, last four, just as he said. As he said. Don't forget those three little words. That makes me want to get my running shoes on right now because he forgives as he said. He loves as he said. He comforts as he said. He lives as he said. He saves as he said. Don't you want to run and shout that you have experienced and that you know the good news of Jesus? He is risen. Wow. Sundays are sometimes tougher than others. You'd think Easter I wouldn't be sweating like this. Yeah. He is risen. He is risen. All right. Sounds like you got this second point. Excuses. Excuses not to run. Now I'm glad the two Marys didn't make excuses. We might not be here if those two Marys hadn't gone and shared the good news with the disciples. Ran into Jesus and then Jesus says go on. But instead of making excuses, they chose to get in a hurry and go to Galilee some 60 plus miles away. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. That's that UPS. Now I've told you. Now go on. And there they were like forest. They were a running. Running. To share the good news. Run believer run. But often we give excuses why. We have our sedentary Christian life. We are couch potato Christians. You've got to realize when I preach to you I'm preaching to myself. I'm just not sitting on the pew. Because we want to come on Sunday. Sit on the pew. About 12 o'clock. If he's not done by then I'm, I'm going to you know. What's the problem? Well it's Easter. Maybe he'll be a little long today. You know that's why we come at, at 11 50, that way we just catch the last few minutes. We have this sedentary Christian lifestyle. 
that we have heard the good news and we've chosen not to do anything with it. We make excuses. Oh, I gave a couple bucks to Annie Armstrong or to Lottie Moon, so I'm invested in missions. But you won't go across the street to tell your neighbor anything about the Savior you claim to serve. I'm just not very good at telling people about Jesus. You don't ask Norris. Norris will witness anybody. I wish I could be like Norris. Well, you're never going to be like Norris unless you start. Well, I, I don't know the Bible well enough to be much of a, you know, one of these evangelical types. Well, if you don't spend some time in it, you probably never will. I, I would share my faith, but what would people say? They'd say there's somebody who knows Jesus. Excuses. Well, I've got more excuses for that not to physically run uh, because I don't like running. I, I mean, I don't like it at all. My body's not built for it. I had one captain when we were in Okinawa together. He said, Chaplain, me and you are not quarter horses. We're more like Clydesdales. You want to move something, pull something, call us. But if you want to sprint, call one of them other guys. I have short legs. I'm too heavy. I'm not built right. My heart's old. Well, within my military days, and some of you who are still very physically fit, you know the benefits of getting out and running. As I said earlier, some of us do it just to stay in shape. And I found that when I did run, at least three times a week, because that's what the military required me to do, and the people that I worked with, we were out there three times a week doing it. I know I got Army guys in here. They, they live for it. You probably did it twice a day, Jay, right? I mean, they, they wake up. They, they sleep with their running shoes on. Now, you were Army, too. You probably just run to the chow hall. Now, that is a reason to run, right? Okay. But it's funny. Without running, it seemed that my weight increased and my energy level declined. So, without Sharing the good news, we have a lack of energy to do it. And it, we have this burden that we've never done it. So weight increases and energy declines. The same is true in our church. When we make excuses and don't tell others about Jesus or the salvation he brings, we become that lethargic church, a church full of excuses, and others will see that we have given up on the Savior that we claim to serve. And we're only giving lip service at best. And they'll say, that's not for me. I don't want to be a part of that group. Rick Warren writes that the Bible is full of people who had great excuses. But God still used them because they didn't let the excuse rule their life. And this is a quote from him. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several fair marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular and short. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. That's quite a length of misfits but God used each of them in his service and he will use you too if you stop making excuses if you can say with me he is risen, he is risen. then stop making excuses and run believer run finally go did I take out the third point Royce did I take it yeah okay go thankfully the women did go, thankfully. 
And who should they run into in verse 9? Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Man, what a bad translation of that Greek word. And NIV, I use NIV because I like the way it translates. New American Standard, I use that. That was kind of the text when I was in seminary. That is a composite of the word keros. It is the word for grace. It is a word that says, grace to you. I am glad for grace, if you will. It's a variation uh, that we've lost by saying greetings. Jesus is saying grace to you. God's mercy has fallen upon you. So go and don't fear. They embrace him. They fall to their feet. Mary Magdalene is known for being at his feet, right? If you, throughout the, the readings of her, you'll see that she's at his feet. She's often associated as the one who anointed, her feet, anointed Jesus' feet with her hair. But what does he say in verse 10? Some of you would reply, oh, don't cling to me. No, that's another gospel. Here he says, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Well, I ask you this morning, will you go to Galilee? Will you leave your comfort zone and share the gospel with somebody this coming week? If not, we met for no reason today. If you don't share your faith with somebody this week, you should have stayed home. And if that hurts, it should. Oh, if Jesus would only have stayed in Jerusalem, how it would have been different. If he'd gone to Pilate, if he'd gone and saw King Herod and said, Hey, look at me, you know, touch me, feel my hands like he did with Thomas. But instead he says he would go to Galilee. That was not the way the disciples probably would have wanted it. But he chose that way to involve us in the mission that God has set for all of us. To go and tell the good news of others. Maybe it's not the way you would think about reaching people, but it is the way God wants to change the world one by one with you telling others about him. He chose you and he chose me to help him to change the world for his son Jesus. And he asks us on this and every Easter and every day to join him on the journey. Today I use the analogy of running with him, towards him, and for him. So I say run, believer, run. Run without fear. Run with joy. Run with grace. Run like the crowds who ran after Jesus after he had healed a small boy. Run like Zacchaeus who ran ahead to get in a tree where he could get a better look at Jesus. Run like the prodigal son who, excuse me, and the prodigal, the prodigal son's father who ran each together. Who with joy wanted to reconnect. Run like Peter. You know, the, the gospel message, the resurrection, it's all about running. Everybody's running to see. So run, believer, run. Run and share that Christ Jesus has risen from the dead. Say with me, please, we pray. Father, as we come now to a time of invitation, perhaps there's somebody here who's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, make this the day that they commit to you. Whether they got running shoes on, tennis shoes on, Lord, like, like Brian, the day that he ran forward, there are those of us who remember running towards you. And as we run towards you, we'll run and share that good news of what you've done with us, with others. So, Lord, speak to us now in this time of invitation. Lord, if there's somebody here who just wants to come to these steps and pray, maybe they want to lighten their load as they run for you. Father, the doors of the church are open. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.